the save of the season for backup Curtis McElhaney. Kessel centering pass. Gensel to Cosby. Blocked by Roman Polak. Big block. Matthews to the net. He scores. Number 40 for Austin Matthews. It's been four years. But it seems like 40, doesn't it? The Toronto Maple Leafs are going back to the playoffs. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Toronto Maple Leafs Tip of the Tower podcast. Thought we'd mix it up a little bit this time. Instead of going through just more Leafs-Capitals discussion, we're going to jump into the Western Conference and break down all the series over there. Um, We don't get a chance too often to talk about the West for obvious reasons. You know, we're Toronto-based, so mostly Eastern Conference. But guys, I think it's about time we jump into the West and talk about it. We're going to go through each series. Joining me as always is Jake Middleton and David Morissuti. Guys, how you doing? Doing pretty good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm doing all right. Just all right tonight, Jake. You don't got any bets going on? Nothing? You know, you're not on tilt yet. No, I'm. Uh, I'm calmed down from the end, and I'm just happy to be going to the playoffs. And for the first time, I'll be going to a playoff game on Saturday, so I'm excited. Oh, you just had to rub that in. I had to. <laughs> well. Let's talk about your least favorite team in the NHL. Then we'll start right away with uh, – we might as well get the worst one out of the way. I know you hate them. So let's talk about the Oilers Sharks. Let's just open up right there. Um, Sharks are obviously coming into the series wounded. I mean, Joe Thornton left the game against the Canucks, and we know he doesn't leave the game for no reason, so he's definitely banged up. Uh, Lone Couture is also banged up, and the team as a whole has been struggling. Is there reason for concern here, or are the Sharks just kind of going to do their usual get in the playoffs and try to put it together? Uh, no, I mean – when you when you look at a team that's got that, I mean, they've come so close all these years, and I think the one year where maybe the West wasn't as strong going in this year, now you have to go up against probably arguably the best player in the NHL, if not the West, easily the West. So uh, having these injury problems is not, not good. At least it's not to Brent Burns, who I think is the most valuable player on that team. So, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a big struggle for them. Uh this I see this series going full, but we'll get into that a little more. Yeah, I mean uh, San Jose's kind of limped into this. You know, they they went four and six down the stretch compared to Edmonton that went eight and two. And I mean, obviously, it starts and ends with the best player on the planet, and it's it's Connor McDavid. And what I'm really excited to watch this is outside of just watching him play is how the San Jose Sharks are going to match up with him. You know, they were talking about this on on Hockey Night in Canada, and it's something I agreed with. And I really think that San Jose should just have a line, get your fastest skater, and you tell them, don't even look at your at the other team's net. Just put your, hand in, put your face in his chest and shut him down. Because if you can hold him in that line, that team is done. I mean, they're it's 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 not completely obvious because they have some pretty good second line players with Nuge and Hopkins and Lucic had a solid year but the I I believe it was the stat was that McDavid has like 43 percent of the team's total offense or something which is just ridiculous it just goes to show how truly valuable it is and for me the MVP is shouldn't even be a contest compared to how how good he's been compared to Crosby for his team especially but I'm really excited to watch how a veteran laden team like San Jose goes about stopping because if they don't I think they're going to lose to Edmonton and I wouldn't be shocked if if uh Edmonton wins this in five or six games 
Well, here, let me throw some interesting stats at you then for McDavid and the Sharks. So talking about the effect McDavid has on and off the ice, this season when he's on the ice, he's accounted for 61.5 goals for 61.5% of the Oilers' goals. When he's off the ice, they've only scored 47.8% of their goals. So there's a stark difference there. When he's on the ice, they just, they're just they way more lethal, like you're saying. And what I find interesting about the Sharks is that you know we, we've seen them struggle, but it's been their power play that's been really bad this year. They're only at 16.7%. It's 25th in the NHL. And it's weird because they're still getting, you know, they're top five in a league for getting shots to the net per 60 minutes. But they just can't seem to put it in on the power play. And that's something where the Sharks in the past was, you know, do not get on the penalty kill against the Sharks because they'll kill you. And this season has been the complete opposite. Is that just old age guys or is there something definitely wrong with this power play? Uh, I don't. I wouldn't say old age. I just think uh, the guys are. Just, it's just not going their way. Um, I think they're. I. I don't know who's their top uh, playoff. I'm mean, sorry, playoff power play uh, point producers. I would assume it's Brent Burns. It, it's 100 percent got to be Burns. It has to be Burns. It's Burns so. and Pavelski. Um, or or Thornton probably. Thor- Thornton has had an off year. Um, he. I mean, he, he's not even known as a goal scorer, but his points have been not what they're used to being. So I think maybe seeing his, you know, maybe he's not 100%, a little bit of a decline in his game. I know Patrick Marle had that recent surge. So I think I think guys just on that team got off to a really slow start, and they, they've kind of picked it up a bit, but it's uh, it's not the same San Jose team we're used to seeing, uh, especially uh, as you said on the power play, which they used to be, like, unstoppable. Yeah. Well, they rode that to the Western Conference Finals last year, right? Like, that power play was amazing. And now, can they do the same thing, Jake, without that? Like, I think it's pretty important for them. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's it's something that I've said for, you know, across all sports with the Cavs. I don't think there's just a switch where you can turn it on. You have to be running, running well, but going into the playoffs or else, you know, you're going to have some issues. I mean, you look at it. Teams that have been able to do that, and it's few and far between. Obviously, the 2012 LA Kings that just absolutely steamrolled teams, but they were running on you know a surge of offense. I believe they went to like in the like three or like a full goal and a half above where they were scoring before they made that trade for for I think it was Carter and and yeah they just had that and excellent defense and goaltending. So I mean it's it's going to be different. For this team, I think they look a lot older. I mean, Marlowe and Thornton individually had pretty bad seasons for their standards. They had about 100 points combined, which is which is probably I would peg them around you know 135, 140 for every season their average the past couple, which is obviously a little disappointing. I mean, they still have that the top end talent guys like Couture, Burns, uh, Pavelski, and Martin Jones, the goalie, but. For me, they just—it doesn't look like they have anything going in their bottom six. Like I know they made the the trade for um, what's the guy Yannick Hansen from Vancouver, and they they made their big free agent acquisition with Bodker. Those Bodkers had a really rough season, and I I'm not really sure how well Hansen's done, but they've it's just okay. been kind of, they've just been kind of looking for those pieces that can help them get some. Uh, like offensive diversity and they just haven't found it this year and it's a big issue for them they they look top heavy for sure okay so dave what's the one thing for the oilers that will determine this series and it can't be named Connor mcdavid or is it really just everything goes 
straight through Connor McDavid for them. Um, you know what? I don't. I mean, we know. I think you know we're gonna get out of Connor McDavid. So for me, it's gonna be how does the defense and Cam Talbot play? Uh, I mean, lots was said about how much uh, the Oilers improved this summer on on the blue line and how good Ta- Cam Talbot has been. I know he's played a lot of games. I mean, they haven't had a decent backup behind him. So Cam Talbot a has to start. I mean, if he gets injured, I don't see the Oilers. Well, most teams, when they lose or start, their chances go down. But in in Edmonton's case, I don't think they have a backup that's going to be able to help them uh, if he was to go down. So I think it's going to come down to Talbot and, and that defense, especially, you know, guys like Larson, Clefbaum, those type of guys that have, that have never been – well, I mean, Larson has had – I don't know if he's had how much experience he's had in the playoffs. I don't think he's had much with New Jersey. They went to the cup final was one he, year. Was so. he on that team, though? I, yeah, he was. He okay. was. Yeah. So maybe that that helps him, but that that team does not have much experience on that blue line. So uh, that that's the only thing that can I think will give them a problem. But if their goaltending can hold up, they have a shot. All right, Jake, what's the one area the Sharks need to excel at if they're going to win this series? Uh, shutting down 97. That's it. If they that's can, it, eh? that, That's it. That's it for me. I mean, obviously, yeah, you got some really good players. For me, there's three players that you have to worry about on Edmonton, then everybody else is pretty much, you know, meh. It's Dreisaitl, McDavid, and the goalie, Cam Talbot. I mean, Talbot's played an absurd amount. Has he played like 75 games or something ridiculous? Um so you got him, but it's 97. I mean, we've talked about this before, how many points he's – he had 100 points. I think outside of him and Dreisaitl, the next closest guy might add 50. So it just goes to show, you know, if you're if you're looking for the guys to stop, it's, those, it's that line. Because if you shut it down, I think they can win this series in, you know, like five games. But so that, then again, it's, it's not an easy task to do, so – it's not like you can just oh go out there and just shut him down. We're gonna win, so that's not gonna happen. I, I he's too good, and uh, you just can't let him get three points on you. If you can let him get you know maybe one every other game, I think they're gonna be in pretty good shape. So who do you have winning the series, Jake? I actually have Edmonton winning in seven. Dave, who you got? Uh, it, it's tough, but I'm I think I'm gonna go with Jake with Edmonton in seven. Uh. And just so that you can get a better perspective, Jake, uh, Eberle had 51 points and Lucic had 50. So there you go. <laughs> it is a bit. It's not, I mean, look at if you look at Thornton's stats. I mean, we were talking about the stats earlier, but he had 82 points last year. This season, he had 50. So yeah, big drop. Big drops. Marlowe too. Marlowe uh, too. Yeah, I I don't see. I mean, Marlowe had 27 goals, which is pretty good for him. But I I don't see. I think they're going to get overwhelmed by the youth of the Oilers and McDavid and Dreisaitl. I think it's going to be too much. And Lucic is going to be – I think he's going to be an X factor for the Oilers up front. If he can play that style that he was paid all that money to do, I think they'll have a really good chance. Man, I hate to agree with you guys here, but uh, I had Oilers in seven too. I was kind of hoping somebody take the Sharks, but I, I just, they're just too – man, like Jake said earlier, I don't believe there's a switch you can just flip on because it's no. the postseason. Very no. rarely do you see it, and if the Sharks are going to do it, good for them. But I'd be really surprised if they did. This team has legitimate concerns right now. Moving on, Ducks taking on the Flames. We'll keep it kind of on the West Coast. 
Um, the Flames obviously rode that huge 10-game win streak in the middle of the season to get into the playoffs. They're 5-5 five five entering it. Do you guys have any – like, are you guys concerned about them at all? I mean, they're still getting points out of Goudreau and Monaghan, but eh, basically, are you buying the Flames? No. I, I, I can't. Just I saw how we all saw how bad they were at stretches. I, I think they get swept. I really, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm I on think that. They get swept. I say four or five. I think they may be lucky to get one game at home. Anaheim has owned them in in recent. I mean, if you have if you've you know the last time they were in the playoffs, they got like they they had, it was like no contest, and then uh, they have. I think someone was telling me they have not been Anaheim in Anaheim in like in like twenty five years or something. Like yeah, fifteen years. I, I mean, something. I don't think like, that's possible because I don't. I don't think that's no, it's been not, around it's, yeah, that, not long. that long. I think it's, it's not that long, but it's a long time. It's a very long time. For what it's worth, the Ducks are four and one this year against the Flames. So, yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, and you look at how, I mean, both teams are not highly offensive teams, but uh, you look at just what Anaheim has. They have the experience. I mean, experience is a lot going into the playoffs. Uh, they have, I think, they have better goaltending. Uh, their defense is. Played at a more proven level than Calgary. Calgary's has been too shaky, and you're you're leaning on Goudreau and Monahan to score for you. I mean, Backlund has got 50 points, which is nice, but you're not going to be able to go up match what uh you know Getzlaff, Kessler, Perry, Raquel, Silverberg, and then what they got on the back end. You you just can't. It's not a good matchup for them. And hold on, Dave. They haven't won there since 2004, so. Yeah, I was. I was going to say thirteen years. Thirteen years. I was close. I said fifteen. It's not that far off. I was eleven. <laughs> so, what would have to go right for the Flames in order to win this series? Because I think Every, all of us are pretty. Virtually good. everything. Okay. Um... Everything. Like Goudreau gets you know point two point two points per game. Uh, Elliot stands on his head. Their defense takes over and. You just the goaltending. They play Johnny Bernier, and he just chokes it or something. I don't know. I just I give him almost no, no chance. I think that's the least likely, uh, followed by the Leafs. So, yeah, I just I just don't see it happening. See, for me, the biggest issue with the Flames is they have such a hard time scoring a five-on-five play. I don't see them getting too many penalties. Like unless the Ducks take a plethora of dumb penalties, I don't see it happening. Even though the Ducks aren't the same offensive team we've seen in the past. I just I'm with you guys. I just don't see how it could happen. They're too tight defensively. They're too sound. But how big is the loss of Cam Fowler, guys? Is that something that's going to hinder the Ducks throughout this postseason? I know they're expecting him back at some point. They don't know when yet. But how are they going to mitigate his loss? Usually, you would say it's a problem when you when you you lose a good defenseman like him. But we've talked about it this year of how good of a depth chart they've had on that defense. So I think they're fine. I mean, they they're they're not based off. They're not their team is not surrounded by around one player, one defenseman. They have a really good group of of guys that they can uh, go around. So, I don't think it's too. It's gonna it's gonna affect them. I think it's gonna. They're not gonna be as lethal offensively, especially on the power play. But I think I think they have enough talent on that blue line that that they'll be fine. Yeah, I, I don't know about uh, they're fine, but. Uh, he's, he's, for me, he's probably their best player, uh, this year. He's had about 40 points in 80 games and he, he's, he skates 25 minutes a night. He's there. He's a number one defenseman, 
But Dave's right. They have a lot of depth. You know, they got Vatanen, uh, Manson, Lindholm, uh, Bieksa, Shea Theodore, Montour, Holzer, Clayton Stoner, uh, Jacob Larson. I mean, they're so deep. They're just so deep. And it's obviously going to be a big loss, but that might be the only team that could actually afford that loss and not have it be too onerous on them because they, they are so deep. But for me, you know, offensively, they they just they're so deep on both offensive on all four lines and in their in their uh, top six defensemen too. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a it's gonna be a rough go for the Flames for in my opinion. So sounds pretty unanimous. We all agree, Ducks in five, six max. Fair to yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would be surprised if they didn't win it in five actually. Okay, let's move on to series. that's a little more fun to talk about. Um, I got a ton of questions for you guys about this one. Chicago, Nashville. I know on paper everybody's going to see the, the Hawks and go, why aren't they going to win? And to be fair, why wouldn't they win, right? I mean, this seems like a series they should take. Give me a reason why the Predators couldn't beat the Hawks, guys. Oh, Jake, you go first on this one. Chris. Yeah, I mean, no, for me, it's it's just the amount of talent that Nashville has. I mean, they're another team that has excessive depth on the back end with their six deep. There, they got you know legitimate superstars and guys like Roman Yossi, uh, PK Subban, uh, Ryan Ellis is a really good defenseman back there. And offensively, they've they've got some star players too. So, you know, guys like Victor, Victor Arvidsson, uh, James Neal, obviously a really good player. Ryan Johansson, a big year, and obviously their best player is Philip Forsberg. For me, it really comes down to is Pekka Rene going to be good again? Because he struggled in the playoffs historically, and it's always come against the Hawks too. They seem to always be able to find a way to put up, you know, six on them at least once in a series, and that's the that's the big X factor for me. But they definitely have the talent to compete with them. You know that the fact that they're the last playoff seed in the West is is kind of shocking to me. I don't know how that happened. To build on your point about Pecorino. He's got a .907 save percentage in his last 20 playoff games. Yeah, that's so he's been shaky to see the say the yeah. least. Yeah. Uh, Dave, this is obviously the same Hawks team in a sense where the core is all intact, but there's a lot of youth up front. Is that a concern at all for them, or are you more concerned about their penalty kill, which is sixth worst in the West with 77.7%? What's a bigger concern? Uh, I'm not concerned about the youth. I mean, when you look at guys, I mean. Panarin, he's had that experience from last year. Uh, I mean, Richard Ponick. I mean, I don't know how much you're going to expect from him. He's had it. He's he's had his strong start to the season, and he's kind of like coast through the rest of it. You have Ryan Hartman, who got well, had 19 goals. There there could be some some issues of whether or not the young guys will be able to keep up. I'm not really too concerned about it, just because you know you got Coach Q behind the bench. You still got Kane Taves. Hosa, Keith, uh, Arnisimov, Seabrook. You still have a really good core group, and that's always what's been uh, Chicago's bread and butter. I, I guess the penalty kill could be worrisome, but I don't think it's going to be that bad unless they take a bunch of dumb penalties. Uh, and then you, I think with uh, it, it could. I, this series is probably going to come down to goaltending is whether or not Corey Crawford can can keep up and if he's if whether or not they go to scott darling if if it gets to that point i don't think it will but 
Uh, the the only question mark for me, I think, is it's going to be the goaltending. Jake, what kind of question marks do you have here? Or better question, what's going to win this series? Is it the goaltending or is it maybe the defense? Yeah, I mean, I, it, it has to be goaltending. I, I said the X factor for the Predators is is going to be Pecorine and how well he plays because they go how he goes. Um, they're, they're a team that, you know, offensively, they can score some goals. I mean, you know, they put up pretty good amount of goals for it's not the normal teams that were just built all about defense they got some players that can score but you know can pecorino avoid you know letting up six goals when his team scores five i mean that's the big thing for me and obviously for the hawks is is it do they have too much youth i mean you talk about the leafs having a lot of rookies i I feel like chicago might have the second most you know they got an entire first line playing with taves that are, are rookies you know they got you know that Nick Hayden kid, uh, the Schmaltz kid, the the guy Kempney on on defense. You know they got Ryan a lot Hartman of too. Ryan Hartman. They got a lot of really young players who have contributed for them, and it's obvious based on their success this year. But you still have to wonder if they can just be plug and play guys like a Brandon Sod or an Andrew Shaw who are who are going to come in right away and be playoff studs for them. And based on their track record, it's pretty hard to deny that. But I mean, you look at the Hawks the past, you know, eight or ten games, they they haven't been great. I mean, they lost four in a row to end the season. So, you know, if you're a true believer in in uh having some some uh some some streaks going in and playing well or playing badly, that could be an effect. But to me it's not something I would worry about. They're kind of resting guys down the stretch anyway, so I think one of the most underrated storylines in this series is gonna be the youth, like you were just saying, because a lot of people don't watch Predators hockey. They don't know who Victor Robertson is, but this kid's a flat-out stud. People obviously watch the Hawks play, but I don't think they're too familiar with guys like Schmaltz and Hartman. But these are all key cogs that are going to play a major factor in this series, so I think that'll be a lot of fun for hockey fans to watch. Uh, Dave, who you got? Uh, I I got to give it to Chicago. I think it's going to be in six games. Jacob? Yeah, same here. I think Chicago in six games. They're going to end it on their uh, home ice. I got oh, no, Chicago on the road. Sorry, sorry. On the road, okay. I got yeah. Chicago in seven. I think Nashville's going to give them a tough time. It's just all about Rene, like you guys were saying earlier. He's been so bad in the past, and if he's like that again, this series will be done in five. If he's anything close to serviceable, I can see it going the full seven. So I'll take Hawks in seven. I'm just not betting against them. They're too good. Last series in the first round, at least, before we get on to the later rounds here. Minnesota Wild at St. Louis Blues. For Mike Yo, it's all about revenge here, you know, getting fired by the Wild a few years ago. For Boudreaux, it's all about getting over the hump and get out of the first round finally. Um, both these teams kind of entered postseason. Mm, they're doing okay. The Blues cranked it up a lot since Mike Yeo has taken over, kind of rode it all the way into third place, whereas the Wild, they were up and down down the stretch, guys, especially Devin Dubnik. He was um, uh, inconsistent to say the least. Are you guys at all concerned about Dubnik? I know he was pretty good in his last two games, but wasn't very good down the stretch. Um, yeah. I mean that that wild team was pretty bad going into that stretch. I mean that's that was probably the biggest story post trade deadline is them when they made a couple of moves and they're kind of hoping that would carry them into the playoffs. But yeah, I mean it's a bit concerning. But uh, Dubnik is is still. I mean he still put up great stats. He maybe it was just a case that he was playing a lot of games and maybe just needed a bit more rest. Uh, but. I think they'll be fine. I don't think they're going to be as good as they were as they, when they started the year. They're going to have to rely on their defense. I mean, if they're going to try to outscore 
the St. Louis Blues, that's going to be a tough, uh, tough go for them. Although they are capable of it. You know, this is a team that can score yeah. some goals. They they're are. Second, they're oh, yeah. second in the league in goals scored. Um, right. But, yeah, for me, you know, obviously the, the Wild were really shaky down the stretch. They'd lost like five of six, but then they rattled off, you know, five in a, or four in a row. But, you know, two of those games were against the Colorado Avalanche. So, you know, that and actually three of the four were against the Avalanche and Coyotes. So take that for what it, what it is. But. You know, I just am fascinated by just the complete identity uh, change that they've made over the past year. This is a team that, whenever they were in the playoffs, they never had stars offensively that could score big goals for them. And now they just are scoring goals left and right. And unfortunately, since they made that trade for um, Martin, Hansel. Hand, Martin Hansel, you know, they haven't been as good. But I don't know. I. I, I still like their makeup as a team. You know, they're really good defensively. They, they're really deep, too. And they have a great goaltender who has the ability to steal games. And just playing St. Louis, it's, it's kind of like a jumbled team. I mean, yeah, they're, they're getting back, uh, getting a nice little boost in the Vladimir Savatka coming back. But, you know, they, they got some really high-end players. And... It's going to be interesting. It, it might be it might be another really long series because it's it's kind of not really a coin flip. I think the Wild are a better team, but you know it's it's definitely going to be close. Okay, so with Devin Dubnik, he's got a .896 save percentage in 16 career playoff games, and since March 1st, he has a .902 even strength save percentage. So I don't know. That's not very good for him. But at the same token, you could argue that. You know, it's, not like the kind blues, of it's not like the Blues are winning like 10 in a row. Right? Oh, in no, I, I agree. I agree with you. But I think the thing with the Wild, too, that kind of gets understated is that they couldn't catch the Blackhawks for first, and they couldn't fall any further than second in their division. So maybe they were a bit bored down the stretch, and they just kind of were waiting for the postseason. Is that fair to say? Are you buying that narrative at all? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it was just they didn't have as much in the tank. I, I know they had some injuries, too. That didn't really help the cause. I know Hansel missed a bunch of games. Uh, Parise missed some games. I think Suter missed some games. Uh, so that that could have played a factor, but eh, I don't. I wouldn't say they weren't interested. I mean, considering who their coach is, and uh, I, I just think they just want maybe they didn't want to put the full effort and be a little bit be ready when the playoffs come around. But eh, as Jake said, do you really want to trust in your team to just flip a switch automatically? I I, I think it, they're. They're probably confident, but they're probably not as confident when they started the year. Well, the blue style of play with Mike Yo in charge now is all about playing defense, clogging up the neutral zone, um, really slowing things down. It's kind of boring to watch at times, but when you have offensive talent like Tarasenko, Steen, Schwartz, you know, you can pop some goals in in a hurry there. Do you think that style of hockey can work and win in the playoffs? I mean, we've seen a lot of guys try it in the past, but nobody's really gotten over the top. Not since the days of the New Jersey Devils doing it. So do you think it could work? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, looking for me, the big X factor between these two is it's just going to be the battle of the center ISIS, and it's no contest. It's it's going to the it's going to the wild. I mean, you look at down their center ice. Not only are they talented with guys like Granlin, Stahl, Koivu, um, and Hansel, but they're also all huge. They're all towers. Like you, you got you got Martin Hansel, who's six foot six. Like playing on your third hole, that's probably going to be a shutdown line on that uh, 
for that Tarasenko line. I'm not really sure who's the center on that line. Is it is it Berglund or or is it Stasny? I'm not I'm not really no, sure. No, they're playing. Uh, they go Schwartzstein Tarasenko right now. Oh wow, okay. So um, not really sure who the center is there, but I kind of I kind of favor the the center matchup for the Wild, and they're that's just a team that's going to grind you down, and I just think they're too big and too physical and. To go back on what your question was, I don't think I just don't think the Blues have enough top end talent to win the series. You share that same sentiment, Dave, or you kind of? I, I think the Blues could definitely make this interesting with their power play. I think they could win, to be honest, if Allen plays well. But these are a lot of big what ifs. This is also a team that traded away Kevin Shattenkirk because I don't think they thought they were going to be. It, it, it didn't seem like they were fully committed in this group going into the playoffs and. I'm my my the one thing I'm questioning the most is Jake Allen. I mean, he looks like he's kind of bounced back from that really really tough stretch. But I mean, when you have a guy that has that shakiness and that mentality that you know he could just turn off at any point, uh, that's that's the part that scares me about the Blues. I mean, they have a good power play. Tarasenko is a really good goal scorer, but I mean Minnesota is gonna is gonna frustrate you. Uh, with you know, Jake said they have the size. They have guys that can score on all lines. They're going to match up as best they can, and that's a team that's going to give the Blues a lot of trouble. So who you got in the series, Jake? I know you were kind of hitting at it there when you said the Wild just have too much top end talent. So I'm guessing you got the Wild in how many games? Five or six? Five? Eh? Holy crow! Why? Yeah. You really believe it's going to be that short of a series? I do. I I just look at that team, and down the the battle of center ice, they're just. They're so big, and it's it's just going to wear you down. And they also, you know, look at guys like, uh, you know, their goalie. That's that's a guy I'd want on my team. You know, obviously his statistics aren't as flattering, but I just don't see the the Blues being able to score three goals consistently, and that's what they're going to have to do to win. Damn. You feel the same way, Dave, or no? I don't think it's going to be five. I think, you know, the Blues do have that experience. I'm. I would say six. But Experience of what? I mean, losing they, to the Hawks every year. Well, they're not playing the Hawks, are they? So you're right. Uh, yeah, they might have a chance. So eh, I, I would go six just because Minnesota is not exactly firing on all cylinders. Uh, firing at all cylinders going into the playoffs, but uh, that that would be the only thing. I, I but I still I don't think St. Louis has enough to get over the hump. Damn. So I'm the only one that believes in the Blues. Yep. And you're gonna be, you'll be singing the Blues after they lose. Well, I see what you did there. Okay. You're so punny. Um, I'm kind of worried, though, because they don't have a lot of bottom six depth. It's really depleted because Stastny's – we don't know what's going on with him. But I do think they could grind this series out and win in seven. I'm going to be contrarian here a bit and take the Blues in seven since both of you guys are on the wild in six. So. Okay, let's 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 move on and go to the second round then, because this is something we both unanimously, all three of us, sorry, unanimously agree on. Uh, we got the Oilers and Ducks. How do you guys see this series shaking out? Oh, that that is going to be a fun series. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I, I would I would probably give the slight edge to Anaheim because they do have they do match up really well defensively against the Oilers and. They did win the they did win the Pacific. I don't know what the exact head to head record is with them, but I think I think it will be a good uh, good series. I think it'll be really close, but I still give it to Anaheim if that's the case. Yeah, I, I think it's a perfect matchup for you know the Ducks. 
them against them against the Oilers, you just know every single time 97 goes over the boards, 17 is going to come looking to just hit them, punch them, do whatever it takes. And he's just going to ignore the absolute crap out of him. And that's what, I, that's what I'd be afraid of is if I'm an Oilers fan. And, and just the depth that they have down the middle is is impressive. And they're, they're four deep. The Oilers aren't. So, you know, you're probably going to have to shorten your bench. And, and you know, I, as we see, you can't really do that in the playoffs to win. It's a battle of attrition. So I would say the Ducks in six. Are you guys at all concerned about the Ducks goaltending? Kind of the, been, du- uh, the Ducks are five. Chairs. The Ducks are five and one against the Oilers this season. It's pretty oh, convincing. Man. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's tough to find reasons why the Oilers would be able to beat them. To be quite honest, that isn't named Connor McDavid. You know, everything we cite with the Oilers just goes right back to McDavid. So that's it. That's pretty pretty much the whole team right there. Him and Drysaddle and Talbot are are like I. There's nobody else that I that I even would make me plan for. On that team, I would just put up one line. That's it. Uh, well, you make it tough to follow up with the question there because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's we're literally all keep saying the same thing with the Oilers: make Jesus, make Jesus, make Jesus. So. It's because it's, it's it's true. I mean, they don't really have any depth, so I, I I honestly don't know who their third line center is. I have no idea. I don't. I wouldn't be able to tell you either. And unfortunately, my if my Edmonton friend is listening to this, I'm sorry. But I mean, when you got a team like who was the third line that played with Gretzky, like people wouldn't even be able to say. So that's <laughs> that's who was, the, who was the second line that played with Gretzky. <laughs> that is that is true. <laughs> I, but I mean, you asked about you asked about Anaheim's goaltending. I, I don't even think that's gonna be a problem. I mean, I think when John Gibson came back i think it was against the oilers and he had a dynamite game so i mean gibson i think is the he well he was one of the best goaltending prospects and i think he's i think he's the best goalie in that division if you think about it i I think on talent i don't know right now on talent yeah well i mean he's he's a he's a very good goalie i mean i've always i have him in fantasy so maybe a little bit of a bias there but i've seen there's some bias (laughs) <laughs> but no, he's a, he puts up really good stats, and I mean he has a good defense in front of him, so it's not like he has to be spectacular, but he's good enough. I mean, I think Cam Talbot's been spectacular this season, oh, and yeah, he's the best goalie in that division right now. But uh, yeah. I think Gibson is the best long term, especially talent wise. Uh, yeah, I like, I'm still a big Martin Jones fan, but yeah, this oh Jones is very some... good. I, I think Gibson Gibson is an elite talent. He's just uh, the his problem is injuries, so. I say I for one should know. I played against him when Pittsburgh Hornets. Like that's a good team, and you know he was a stud back then. Obviously, U.S. U.S. Uh, kid from Pittsburgh. He's a really really good goalie. But I mean, obviously, the guy we're giving zero credit to is Ryan Miller. What is wrong with you guys? Best goalie in the division. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry, Ryan Miller. <laughs> but but in all seriousness, you know Cam Talbot might be. I, for me, he, he's in the top two for the Vezina for sure. So Ducks in what? Six? Unanimous again yeah. with us? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going six. Right. And then we got Hawks versus what both you guys are saying the wild, and I was just being contrarian with the blues. So we'll go with we'll go with Hawks versus Wild here. I don't see how the Wild can beat the Hawks because the Hawks have literally owned them almost every postseason they played, regular season. It's just I don't know what it is. It's just like it's like the Packers beating the Bears. It just happens. 
Yeah, I mean, and it's not like the this, this series they played have even been close. I mean, it's been four, five. They just it just destroyed them. So, you know, you can't – obviously, it's a different team on both sides. But, yeah, I would have a hard time picking the Hawks not beating the Wild. I, no, I totally agree. Um, Minnesota I, – I, I think the – you just look at the history between the two teams and how much the – the Hawks have just, I think, what, the last time I've seen, like, six games. Like, it hasn't even been close. Like, it, they may, they may like, give the Wild some hope that they can move on to the next round, and then they just crush their dreams. And that's what Chicago does best. Well, you're saying the Wild are obviously deep down the middle. We can all see that. You know, yeah. you can argue this isn't the Hawks' strongest team down the middle. I mean, it's Taze and Isamoff. Fill in the blanks from there. Um but I think the most glaring difference between these two teams is there's only one Patrick Kane. There's only one type of game-breaker guy. And the Wilds' game-breaker, you could argue, has become Mikael Granlin this year. But it's still not even close to what Patrick Kane does. So and I just I think they're going to have a hard time not having a guy like that that can just break open a game for them. I mean, they do everything by committee. They're very dependent on the power play and just playing defense. So I don't know if that's enough to beat a team like the Hawks. And for me, the underrated thing with the Hawks is this might be the deepest defense core they've had since their 2010 Cup. They're really deep on the back end. You know, Brian Campbell has been a really good addition for them. You know, Michael Kempney has been really good. They're no longer a three defensive core, the three defenseman core where they can just lean on Keith for 35 minutes a night. I mean, he can still do that because he's that good, but he doesn't need to anymore. And, you know, it's... It's just going to be that much harder to break them down defensively, and and obviously having a, a goalie that's capable of, that's won them two cups already and has already has that pedigree. It's they're going to be hard to beat for sure. Well, how big is the addition of Johnny Oduya too? I mean, he helps solidify the pairing with Seabrook, and it's allowed Chalmerson and Keith to stay together. And then you got Campbell and Kempney or Van Riemsdyk, whoever you want to slot in there. Um, that's just not fun, no matter which way you look at it. So, Dave, is there any way the Wild can beat the Hawks? Uh, it's okay I mean, to say no. I don't think so. You're not stopping <laughs> Showtime. Uh, and Patrick Kane lives for these moments, and Jonathan Taves is pretty good too. So, I I don't I don't think the Wild have the equal talent. I mean, their blue line is pretty good, but I I don't see the talent up front to match what Chicago's got. Is Anisimov back? Yep, I he's expected so. to be back. Yeah, yeah. He's okay, back. so that helps a lot. But I don't know, just. You got to think <laughs> Chelsea Dagger's going to be ringing in those guys' ears for a, for a while. It's going to haunt their dreams. That's hey, remember that's what uh, Roberto Luongo said in the Sedines. Said they there was ringing in their head for a long time until they finally beat them. So, is this the time? I don't think so, but we'll see. I, I still am going to pick the Hawks because you know I just whenever you bet against them, they always they always find a way to just win. Yeah, fade the metro risk. I mean, it's your bank account, so do what you want, but fade them at your own risk. So we got Hawks and Ducks in the Western Conference Finals. Um, not much analysis in terms of, you know, giving you guys an upset here or anything like that, but it is what it is. I think these are the two best teams in the West. Who do you guys got coming out? I think, again, I think it's hard to pick against Chicago in this series just based on everything they possess. I mean, they've owned the, they've owned the Ducks too. Every team yeah. in the West they've owned. I mean, they usually always beat them in seven games. And I don't know. I I'm gonna be trendy here, and I'm gonna pick the Ducks in seven, actually. But I I, I don't feel too confident about it. But um, I, I just have a 
I have a tough time seeing them just beating them time after time. It's it's got to go their way one time. So I'm going to see the, say the Ducks will will break through and and we'll get Randy back in the play in the finals. I was just about <laughs> to say, are we picking Randy Carlo to go to the Stanley Cup Finals? <laughs> yes, we are. Man. Hold on, there's definitely some vested interest, some uh, some homerism here for Jake. I know you low-key just want Jonathan Bernier to play in the Stanley Cup Finals so the Leafs can get a pick. I know that's what this is all about. He actually all needs about help the Leafs. He actually no, needs to play, though, I, I have that secretly, but I, I also think they're a really, really good team. I mean, the, the addition of Patrick Eves, I was skeptical. I thought they gave him way too much, and he's just fit in really well. And for all the, the crap that's been given to, to Ryan Getzlaff about, you know, having bad start to the season he picked it up and i think he had about 70 points so uh and you know just they got so much veteran depth at center too with you know kessler and gets there's not going to be a better one-two punch in probably the entire playoffs well if there's anybody they should be giving shit to this season it's not ryan gets like you said he's picked it up he's been their best even strength player it's perry it's Corey perry yeah he's been an enigma this year i mean he's even got booted off the power play there he's not playing the power play as much anymore they've he's- Injected Eves and Silverberg. And they've also gotten great production of Raquel. Uh, that's a guy that's we don't like saying his name because of that uh, Tyler Biggs trade that got them Gibson and <laughs> and Raquel. Thank God you, Jake. Damn it. Think, think, think about the players I we, could we were have, but... I thought we were keeping this away from the Leafs tonight. Just one night. <laughs> well, man, I'm you can't to... help but laugh when you hear the name Tyler Biggs come up. Like... Uh, the guy is, uh, what does he work at, a gas station or something? Like, jeez. But, yeah, I mean, they're a really good team. And I, I just always think that Corey Perry in the playoffs, his, he's a pretty prickly player who kind of plays on the edge. And the playoffs kind of seem like his oyster that could go out and shine because, you know, it's, it's a perfect fit for him. He's a big boy that likes to play in front of the net. And he'll always find his way to get into some trouble out there. So I, 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 I think they're, they're a good team. And, and I, I wouldn't be shocked to see them go in the finals. Dave, are you picking Randy and the boys too, or are you, uh, you staying with the Hawks here? As much as it hurts me to say, I'm going to have to go with Jake on this one, and I, I'm going to pick Anaheim. I, I think they're it's, – wow. and it's not because of coaching, that's for sure. I, I just think they're <laughs> um, – I, I think the talent that they have, I think they have – it's not a – I mean, the team doesn't just strike you as great. I mean, they don't have the showstopper and Patrick Kane, but I, I think they have just a good all-around team, and Chicago is going to have their hands full. Uh, it's going to go to seven games, that's for sure. Damn. Okay. I, I, I'm the only guy in the Hawks then. For me, watching the Hawks all these years in this dynasty that they're in, and yes, it is a dynasty, it's just been the Kings that can slow them down, and they've been able to play that physical – grueling grinding game where they possess the puck and i know anaheim has some similarities but they're not as physical they're kind of a speedy team as well i mean you could argue that kessler and those guys play a physical style but that fits right in, that's right in Taze's wheelhouse is it not the kessler Taze matchup i mean how are you going to pick against Taze in that matchup you guys can say otherwise with me if you like i mean i'd love to hear why but yeah but you know outside of that it's not really that it's it's Taves versus gets laugh and then it's it's uh Anisimov versus uh um to Kessler so it's they're deep too you know that's one and two they're probably in the top three for the down the center of the ice right there probably with Washington but they're deep they're deep too so it's it's gonna be pretty even it'll be interesting to see 
Here's my other issue with the Ducks is their power plays hasn't been that great this year. I know they've been trying to figure some things out. It's only 18-7%. We know in the postseason, if your power play is not humming, not even humming, you just got to be above average to, to win games, then you're going to struggle if it's not. The Hawks' power play always cranks up in the postseason, whereas the Ducks, I don't know. I guess I'm more or less buying into what I've seen and what we all know. But the counterside to your guys' point, I mean, the Ducks are number one in the West for goals goals four and five on five, so... I'll still take the Hawks in seven, even though I'm kind of uh, going against my own point here. All so right. We, we got Hawks or Ducks in the finals. Yeah, I think that's that's going to be the trendy pick. But I, I don't know. We like to say the NHL isn't as predictable, but you know, that seems pretty predictable for me. Well, here, let's do a little fun side bet then, since I know this is obviously a Leafs podcast. And Jake, I know deep down you're dying for this. Let's do a little board bet here between the three of us. Does Jonathan Bernier play at all during this postseason? No. No? Dave, you think no. he gets in the game? Even one game? Okay, yeah, maybe one game. I, no, he will never start one. Yeah, he only starts if Gibson gets hurt, and unfortunately yeah. that, that that is a possibility. So, eh, I, I'm leaning more towards no, but, again, that's, that's only in on an injury front. I don't think Gibson's going to play bad enough to get pulled. So the reason we're all asking about that for those listening is obviously the Leafs, when they traded Bernier, there's a ton of conditions riddled on this pick. And the most important one is he needs to play. He needs to play in the postseason. He needs to play in the Stanley Cup Finals at least half the games. You can write if that a happens on, on the conditions. Like we, we, I posted it out on our group chat. You could write like an article. That, that would be a whole, an article for me to write on the site, the conditions in that trade. It's ridiculous. Well, I think you should write it before the playoffs start. So it would be a nice little reminder for Leafs fans because – it's a pretty thoroughly detailed trade. It's one that, like, how do you even make this up when you look at it? Like, what what makes you possess to put together these conditions, you know? Who who actually yeah. took the time? Like we, I said this. Who took the time to actually iron out all these conditions? Like, the Leafs, actually, the Leafs and Ducks actually paid people to do this and to, to make their lives miserable trying to figure it out, too. I'll be honest, all I can picture when we talk about this is Dubis, that meme of Dubis showing uh, Lamarillo the tablet. And he's yeah. like, look at these numbers. And Lou's like, that's nice, Kyle. That's all I picture with this. He's like, is Bernier <laughs> gone? Yeah, he's gone. Okay, that's nice, Kyle. <laughs> that's all I picture. But All right, guys, so we got the Hawks for me in, coming out of the West, and both Dave and Jake are on the Ducks taking down the Hawks in seven to come out of the West. So that's our picks. For those of you keeping track at home, we'll post all this online as well. We'll come back into the Eastern Conference tomorrow. Until then, guys, thanks for listening. As always, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or SoundCloud at, at Tip of the Tower. You can follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Tip of the Tower. You can follow me on Twitter at Crystal Kranitz. You can follow Jake on Twitter at JakeMilton12. And you can follow Dave on Twitter at D underscore Morisuti. Good luck filling out your brackets, guys, and we'll see you tomorrow. Oh, Morgan Riley going wide with the shot. Mitch Marner. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. 
Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.